Hail Dictinus grants us clear voices, strong sound, and good reads. When you're actually dealing with these figures, the only safe, pragmatic, and operational approach is to treat them as having a being, a will, and a purpose entirely apart from the humans who evoke them. If the sorcerer's apprentice had understood that, he wouldn't have gotten into so much trouble. Welcome to Demons, the 203rd episode of Three Pagans and a Cat. Our opening today is courtesy of 20th century discordian Robert Anton Wilson. You may call me Ode. Mary Meet, my name is Gwyn, Ode's mother. My name is Jackson, Ode's brother. And here we are! We're here! Yeah. Last podcast in our current, current house, residence. in our current residence, which hopefully means that, well, we do know that we should be able to be on track for next week's yes. recording. We've got it set up so that we should have internet. Mm-hmm. Our All our stuff should be moved out. I should have, like, all of Sunday to get uh, everything mm-hmm. set up for recording. So yeah, next week we if, should be able to record. Even if the computer's set up on the floor, we're going to make it happen. And there won't be any air conditioning sound. There won't be any birds tweeting in our air conditioner. There um, will be new sounds that we don't know yet. There will be new sounds that we don't know yet, but it's exciting and a new adventure. Mm-hmm. Though I will say when we've been in there, it's been pretty quiet. It's been yeah. quiet so far, yeah. yeah. Guys, so many things have happened. Oh my god. Since oh, last week. Oh my fucking god. It's been god. a busy week. It's we're been going, ridiculous. We're now going into a whole different house than we thought we were last week yes, when we talked we are. about this. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. But we think it's a better one. Yeah, we think we're it's it's we're we're happy with the yeah. change, but holy shit! And like we oh have keys and are moving things in, uh-huh. which is even better. Yep. But oh my god, the stress. Ugh. So the last three days, which I normally spend doing research for these episodes, have been um Crazy. an experience. Mm-hmm. Yes, very stressful. And we are just going to have as good a time as we can tonight talking about yep, demons about and demonology. Demons. <laughs> but we cannot promise that we are incredibly knowledgeable. No. And, um, and I have attempted to look up stuff for two solid days and I got yeah. a couple of, a couple and of a, facts. And a big part of that is because life has just been out of control since Thursday night. Yeah. 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 But we're here. <laughs> we're here. And we're doing so, a thing. So we're going to talk about this. And Demons I, may require a better rap later. But. Right. That's, <laughs> I, guess, I guess my what I'm, what, I'm, what I'm saying here is I've done some research, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm excited to talk about this topic, but it might not be up to our usual standards. <laughs> That's right. Housekeeping. It is the first recording of the month. Yes. So I'm going to read the names of the patrons. Here we go. There are 38 kittens. We love you, kittens. There are 28 cats, and their names are Renjamin, Tiffany Kozash, Willow Green, Ebby, Nikki Norcross, Ashley Harkins, Amber Stark, Kelly Burt, Erin Kathleen, Nova Misko, Annabelle Lee, Firesong, Callie Flower, Rose Shepherd, Chris Mickelson, The Dryad, J.D., Claire K.R. Miller, Christine Phillips, Melkor, Squiggy, Elisa Durka, Kelly Burt, Coney Briggs, Shokora, Rebecca Hillman, Laura Loki, and Cindy Barrick. We love you, cats. Yes, thank you to our cats. Who remember cats? Starting in November, yep, you're starting. You're gonna get uh, access to review episodes that will be going up on our Patreon page. That's right. There are sixty-one hunters, and their names are Brandon Adair, C.J. Kaufman, Hexaluna, Mary Rose. Mike Stanley, Misa Sky, Tony Ghost, Asipiter, Ivy Rose, Michaela, Cameron Grant, Ashley Ann, Maharet, Darby, Talia Franks, Justin Harrell, Starlight Lokison, Hell's Tally, 
O.K. Lee, Druidic Hart, Daughter of Oak, Mach 2556, Alicia Noble, Precious Fire, Heather Lewis, Sophia Duncan, Roanoke the Wiccan Wizard, Kitty Catastrophe, Charlene Hughes, Goddess Incognito, Shibe, Rolfer, Andy Olson, La Petite Poisson, Loriana Lee Knapp, Saga, Melissa Gerben, Maddie Kunes, Megan Kipper, Corvus Felliday, Kai Oakenshield, Ryan Hopkins, Teresa Tomblin, Roshala and Dasvid, David Dashafen Keys, Zemina Kokoro, Amy Martin, Darian, Sky Bierce, Sarenth Odinson, Ushi Ursa, Victoria Selnes, Alyssa Addy, Ray Lathrop, Quinn Ann ASMR, Dahlia Darge, Jace Helmer, Jessica Jones, Lorelei, Charles Howison, and Stevie Thompson. We love you, hunters. Yes, thanks to our many, many hunters. We have ten leopards, and their names are Jody Cozy, Luna, Swan Fairywater, Kimberly Squeaky Reynolds, Alex Robinson, Eleanor Faithful, Chris Colibri, Jim Two Snakes, Gemma Atkinson, and Gary Bearstorm. We love you, leopards. We have five tigers, and they are Around Grandfather Fire, Weavers of the Web ATC, Kelly and Jim, Amanda Hicks, and Crystal of Apothecary Tees. We love you, tigers. We have two panthers, and their names are Laurel Jade and Don Taylor. We love you, panthers. And we have three jaguars, and their names are Lori Phillips, Nolan Hayes, and Justin Stanage. We love you, Jaguars. Yes, we do. And that is all of our patrons. Thank the gods we got through it. <laughs> yes. Because I know we did that just two weeks ago. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Bam, all right. Bam. So let's see. Any other housekeeping we need to do? Other than a request for people to be patient with us? Yeah. yeah please be patient with us while we because move. Because of all of the literal uh-huh. housekeeping we have to do in our physical house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. That. Also, we're going to be doing the holiday on the 15th. That's oh, right. yes. So the following Saturday after we move, Jackson and Gwen are going to be reading tarot at mm-hmm. Valhalla Day, which is an event that's happening at Valhalla Tap Room in Kalamazoo. Mm-hmm. And then there was something else that we got. Oh, so we are not going to be recording on Halloween on Samhain because we're going to be doing Samhain things on that day. Mm-hmm. It happens to fall on a Monday, so there will be no recording on that week. That's right. Ivy Rose says, I'm so proud you remembered a holiday. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm proud of me too. They actually told me about it and I didn't have to remind them or anything. (laughs) Okay, we are house kept and house swept. Time to talk about demons. Demons. (laughs) And demonology. Demons and demonology. Figured I'd start with etymology. Because Gwen called me out last week about the dragon (laughs) etymology. So this time I came prepared with all my notes. (laughs) Well, it's just usually it's a thing. It is, yeah. (laughs) Demon, spelled Mm -hmm. D-E-M-O-N, in English usually means a malevolent spirit of some kind. It comes from the Latin demon, spelled D-A-E-M-O-N, which just meant spirit, which comes from the Greek demon, Spelled D-A-I-M-O-N. So many ways. Which meant a divine power or usually a lesser god. And that comes from the Proto-Indo-European word demon. Spelled (laughs) 
D-A-I-M-O-N, hypothetically, which meant divider, as in divider of destinies. Mm. I am here for the consistency that's so rare. The pronunciation, yes. yes. It's so rare. And Pronounced it's, pretty much the same way, pretty much every time. So every time you attempt to say Damon or Diamond. Yeah, you are you, you are, are mispronouncing. actually mispronouncing it. It's I've still been guilty demon. of this it's, myself in yeah. the past. Well, I think it's because Damon became a thing in like pop culture mm-hmm. when people yeah. were trying to be they were trying to intriguing. Dis- and they were trying to distinguish from like the Christian uh-huh. evil, evil demon. demon to be like, no, no, I mean the spirit version. Mm-hmm. And so they pronounced it. But it just is it's just demon. pronounced demon every single time. Which, to be frank, seeing how it's boiled down over the years, uh-huh. I can see how they got from A to B. <laughs> very, very straight yeah. line of, yeah. of etymology there, uh-huh. yeah. Those of us who were raised as Christians, you know, mm-hmm. and I think just the culture in general, mm-hmm. have to get over the fact that all these words are pronounced Demon. Mm -hmm. So the reason that demon from the Latin meaning spirit came to mean demon specifically like evil or malevolent spirit comes down to early Christian writings. Mm -hmm. They used the word demon or demonon Mm -hmm. to refer to heathen idols. Yes. Ah. And that is where the concept <laughs> to this day. Yeah. So basically they took it as false idol. Yeah, e- exactly. Yes. And that's where to this day, pagan deities mm-hmm. or deities of any other religion that is in Christianity are by Christians mm-hmm. considered to be demons. Yep. Yep. Early Christian, right? Like early, early, early Christian early. writings were mm-hmm. using demon in this context, but it really like took off culturally as being a word that explicitly meant like evil, evil spirit uh, in the 15th century in the, the post-classical period. Which makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you go back to older writings, sometimes you'll still see it used in the original like Latinate mm-hmm. context. And here's the interesting thing. When I was doing my research, I looked up demonology, Mm -hmm. which, of course, is the study of demons or beliefs about demons and the hierarchy of demons. Right. Mm -hmm. Right? Which there are uh, hundreds of hierarchies of demons, and all of them are different. Oh, so many. So, so many. And they also, it is believed that demons are non-human, discarnate spirits that have never inhabited a body. So that varies. The demons are discarnate spirits thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There are actually some, especially cultural context, where we use the word demon Mm -hmm. for a human spirit that has been altered after death in some way. Ah, like a vampire? Yeah, it it covers like physical undead. It Mm -hmm. also covers, like there were some cultural systems that believed like malicious spirits were always the spirits of people who had died in Mm -hmm. like unclean ways. Mm -hmm. So like the never human part is ambiguous and it's highly like culturally dependent. Gotcha. I thought this was interesting that ancient Mesopotamians believed that their underworld called Kerr was home to many demons and they were called the offspring of Arali or Areli. These demons uh, could sometimes leave the underworld to, you know, terrorize mortals on earth. But they could also pull gods into mm-hmm. into the underworld if the god was misbehaving. But they could also be benevolent and do good things, you know, for, for humans and deities. Yeah, and I think that, that goes back to, like, demon originally just meant spirit. It just yeah, meant, like, lesser exactly. spiritual force. And here's an interesting quote I found because it said they generally did not have a cult for the various demon spirits mm-hmm. in Mesopotamia because... Since demons know no food, know no drink, eat no flower offering, and drink no libation. 
So there was nothing you could do for there them. There was basically. nothing you could do for them, and you know they were either gonna be nice or not. So on the Patreon, we got mm-hmm. you know the the questions. Yeah. Because we give hunters the chance now to ask questions in advance of the episode, and yes. s- someone asked, "How are demons classified? Mm. Are they considered gods? Are they considered spirits? Their own thing? What what are? How are they usually classified? And generally speaking." Demons are considered a form of spirit. Yes, but I think in some cultures, some of them may be considered minor deities. It varies. Yeah. And it depends on what cultural context, not only the original cultural context, but the cultural context you're now looking at it through. Mm -hmm. Right? So like we, like as modern day Americans, are looking at descriptions of demons Mm -hmm. that we know were originally deities from cultures that were colonized by, by Christian forces, right? Right. So to us, we look at that demon and say, okay, is that a spirit or a lesser deity of some mm-hmm. kind or just a suborned deity? Mm-hmm. To the original culture... They were it, just a spirit? It, no, to the original culture, oh. they were a deity. Oh, yeah, true. I don't think there is a meaningful way, a secret underlying truth, mm-hmm. to like classify like the power level of demons. Right. They just sort of... I think in the modern day, when we say demon, what we mean, because we don't just mean spirit anymore. No, no, not anymore. What we mean now when we say demon is some kind of spiritual force which is characterized by a hostile relationship to humanity. Mm -hmm. That's what we mean when we say demon. And I think it really does come from the Christian... Obviously. But... I, I don't think there's any point in us trying to, like, right. reverse that course at this point. Well, it's no. had, like, 400 years mm-hmm. of propagation power. Yeah. Well, what I think is interesting, too, is that um, in Judaism, there were no demons. Mm-hmm. There was They don't have or did not have a set of doctrines about demons. It was it's, the medieval it's period. It's later rabbinical where writings. It has, yeah. Where you get Lilith becoming a demon or... And, and die uh, books. And the die books and things like that. The development of demons mm-hmm. as a as a spiritual group mm-hmm. has gotten to a point where it's no longer possible to extricate the mm-hmm. hostility element right. from what we consider a demon because we do just use the term spirit for every other kind of... Right. It's true. Yeah. That's true. And sometimes there will be writings about demons that do something not horrible, but it's framed in a sort of almost anti-hero way. Now, and to be fair, like our perceptions of demons are, I think, still evolving. Mm. So like this is most obvious with Lucifer, but you do see it in other forms as well. Mm-hmm. In the, the post-Paradise Lost right. world, right, right? We no longer see Lucifer or the Satan figure as necessarily wholly, intrinsically, ir- irrefutably, irredeemably evil. We, as sort of a cultural force, now perceive that being as heroic in a sense or or sort of like a tragic figure Mm -hmm. uh, as having a more complex character a more um nuanced identity and as being capable of more complex relationships and interactions with human beings Mm -hmm. and so i think like this is still evolving and we may eventually get back to a point where demon just means spirit Mm -hmm. or it may mean like complicated spirit Mm -hmm. instead of necessarily evil spirit. Right. Um, But I do think that process is going to take us another hundred years. Oh, I just think it's interesting that essentially what happened was we took a form of spirit, boiled it down to evil and bad, Mm -hmm. and then several hundred years later went, 
we can change them. <laughs> and, uh, Maybe he's and not so like, bad at all. And we're like, uh, character development, though. Everybody loves bad guy. That's basically what has happened. What is in the process of happening is, is humanity's love for the bad guy. Sort of. I don't think it's. I don't think it's that simple. Though. No, God, no. It's very much a simplification. I just think it's funny. And that's also like a a perspective which looks at the demonic character as fictional. Mm-hmm. And I don't think the demonic character is fictional. No, uh, neither do I. Though. But I do think human perception mm-hmm. of the demonic character is influenced by sort of cultural movements mm-hmm. and by the demonic character itself. Well, do you guys remember This Present Darkness? It was a, a Christian novel. I think so. Written, I can't think of the man's name right now, uh, Frank Peretti. Mm-hmm. He wrote these two oh, novels. Oh, yeah. Yes. yeah. His imaginative interpretation of demons and how they interact with humanity mm-hmm. literally changed how evangelical Christians especially, yeah. mm-hmm. and but Christians in general, thought of demons, thought of how they interact with humans, mm-hmm. and how they affect the world around humanity. And it is all driven by this one man's imagination yeah. And storytelling based on what he interpreted from, mm-hmm. you know, from right. his understanding of demons and, and things like that. You will now, 20, 30 years later, mm-hmm. you've got entire it sort of books. penetrated the theology. Even. Yeah, you've got entire books and, and sermons and, and people believing that this is how it really is when it comes to demons in a Christian understanding, in a Christian context. And it, a lot of it really does stem from yeah. these books. Yeah, honestly, Elle says based on what was effectively a fictional religious horror books. Exactly. I find it really, really fascinating, I guess, that out of all of the spirits and otherworldly forces, Mm -hmm. demons have been, for the most part, taken as like, this is something that may exist, they may not exist, but let's focus on them as a fictional entity and Mm -hmm. go from there and change our perception of how we perceive them Mm -hmm. instead of necessarily changing the thing itself. Does that track... I'm not sure what you're saying. <clears throat> so demons themselves have not changed. Right. right. They're perception. the same beings that yes. they yeah. were 2,000 years ago. Because of the fictionalization and myth- uh, mythologizing mm. of them in mm-hmm. the overculture, the way that we think about them has significantly Absolutely. changed. And I do think there is, like I said a second ago, that like demons haven't changed to the same beings they were 2,000 years ago. I don't think that's necessarily true. Mm-hmm. I don't think spiritual beings are static. Mm -hmm. I think they can grow and evolve just as humans can grow and evolve. And I think there is a certain amount of like symbiotic growth and and evolution there where as our perceptions of them change, they change. And as their perceptions of us change, we change and Mm -hmm. we are influencing each Mm -hmm. other. It's that that physics principle of once you observe something, it changes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, quantum uncertainty. Rhiannon makes a good point of Dante's Inferno and now the modern perception of hell based mm-hmm. yeah. on, mm-hmm. on that description. On the levels. On the yeah. levels, the rings of hell mm-hmm. and, and all of, and even just the, the fire, the flames, you know, yeah. all of all of Dante's description of hell is now a huge part of cultural perception of what mm-hmm. You know, the underworld is like. And in some cases, like, people's literal theology. Yes, Mm -hmm. exactly. And it makes me think back, do you remember when we talked uh, in a previous episode a million years ago Mm -hmm. about The Exorcist and its influence on the culture Mm -hmm. and how uh, people in general perceived demons, perceived the uh, possibility of a human being be possessed Mm -hmm. by a demon. Mm -hmm. That just shows how mythology 
and fiction and storytelling and all these things, you know, perceptions are influenced. We are creating our own mythology. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think kind of what I find the most interesting about it is, at least in the now, the mythology of deities seems quite static because a lot of it was written very long ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and to us, it seems just like a concrete thing. Mm-hmm. But the developing mythology of demons is very much still going. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Mm -hmm. So I wonder if that's because, so a lot of us obviously come out of Christianity or we were influenced by Christianity. And so we have this perception of like the written text is sacred. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The written text defines the limits and boundaries of a religious system. Mm -hmm. And that's not really how religions were. (laughs) No. Like when they, especially the, the religions that are being reconstructed now, they weren't static in that way. Often what we are reconstructing is this like Frankenstein's monster <laughs> of a religion where we're taking pieces from like different time periods and different places and just like a vague overarching cultural connection between best. them and just sort of stitching them together. And so we're getting these really confu- like these contradictions and these mm-hmm. confusing elements because these belief systems were changing over time Mm -hmm. and evolving. And I wonder if the reason we still see that happening with our understanding of demons is because although there were some written texts about demons and demonology Mm -hmm. throughout various time periods, they all contained like irreconcilable contradictions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so no one ever took them as gospel. Yeah. So, and now that things have kicked up their development again, Mm -hmm. it feels much more changeable and malleable within the human perception and our overculture, mm-hmm. as opposed to those things that we take as truth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think an interesting philosophical question, to be honest, and a religious question is, if you right now sat down and wrote a entirely fabricated new piece of myth about a deity that you were a part of the culture of, and that then becomes accepted, does that become a part of the mythology? I think so. Mm-hmm. And this is actually something we discuss sometimes in heathenry. Because there are people who are writing new myths about the gods or mm-hmm. who are expanding on fragments of old myths mm-hmm. or trying to tell new versions of myths we know we've lost. Like like we know we're missing some of Heimdall's stories because we have mm-hmm. references to them elsewhere. And so people will be like, okay, well, I'll try to write that Heimdall story. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there's a lot of debate in the community because you get people who are like really hardline reconstructionists and people who are like really intense revivalists and mm-hmm. they... But heads a lot. Personally, and we saw this a little bit with Dictinus too. Mm-hmm. Dictinus is the god we have discovered and or created collectively, mm-hmm. the, the three-pack pride. Column A, column B. Uh-huh. Yep. I don't think it really matters which one. No. Nope. But various people in the pride have written stories for Dictinus and mm-hmm. have shared them. And they're very beautiful. They're beautiful stories. And they don't necessarily like match up like the Dictinus in this story and the Dictinus in that story are not mm-hmm. necessarily the same vision of Dictinus, but they are both accepted as like the canon of Dictinus mm-hmm. in as much as such a thing exists. And so I do think those things... Well, you know, fast forward 200 years, will Dictinus be a recognized date? Exactly. Mm-hmm. And and which because of so those... so many people have written about it. Exactly. And which of those stories will be preserved mm-hmm. and will be remembered by future generations and become like, oh, this is the mythology of Dictinus. Mm-hmm. And I do think there is a sort of mythic timeline, which is not linear or connected to a human understanding of time. Mm-hmm. I think there is kind of a mythic time that gods exist in. Mm -hmm. and move through and develop in. And I think when 
we tell new stories about the gods, we are doing that in communion with mm -hmm. them. A lot of people feel driven to do yeah. these stories. Mm -hmm. What's driving them? Is it themselves? Is it a deity pushing their hands? Exactly. Exactly. And and I think it can be a, I think it can be a little column A, a little column B. And mm -hmm. I think when we tell new stories about the gods, we are collaboratively with them mm -hmm. building that new mythology in the sort of mythopoetic time that the gods exist in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I honestly love that that's the case, and I do hope that more people come to, like, fall a little bit less rigidly on yeah. the writings mm -hmm. of old, because if you use them as a basis and create something new, that's still just as beautiful. That's mm -hmm. right. Thanks to our Tiger Solanox for introducing us to Weavers of the Web, an interfaith pagan ATC, Aquarian Tabernacle Church, organization based in Lansing, Michigan. Weavers of the Web is a public Wiccan church that aims to be family-friendly, supportive, and informative, with the goal of ensuring that no one ever need be alone in their spiritual needs. Weavers is currently raising funds for the down payment on a property, which would allow them to expand their current network of resources, including dedicated community space, a permanent home for a pagans-in-need pantry, and a lending library. Join them online or in person for regular events, including rituals and discussion groups at weaversoftheweb.org or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash weaversatc. Hail Dictinus! Hail Dictinus! We were going to talk about the question of evil. Yes. <laughs> Differently from the way the question of evil is usually framed in a Christian yeah. framework, which is like, if God exists, why does he let evil happen? I don't care about that question. My question about evil is, do you think it's real? Because I don't. No, I think <laughs> evil is a very much a polarizing thing that comes about when you're mm -hmm. trying to other something. Yeah. Make mm -hmm. it the us versus the them. Mm -hmm. And if you're saying they're irreconcilably bad, that means that what you do must be good. Mm -hmm. And it means you can abstain from any effort to de-escalate uh -huh. or to make peace or to cooperate. It's an inherently dualistic system mm -hmm. and I don't mm -hmm. believe in dualisms. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's basically saying I'm right, bitch, so you gotta be bad and wrong and... It's an, an innately radicalizing yes. feature. It is. <laughs> It is. I think evil is some shenanigans. I also think that's part of the reason why people are seem to be starting to cotton on that, mm -hmm. that the concept of pure evil is bullshit and are like, ah, let's try to, well, because we're humans, we try to humanize. Right. Mm -hmm. In a way that we can understand. Or to at least anthropomorphize. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. Exactly. Gwen, what do you think about evil? Because I know you and I have had this discussion before where you've fallen more on the side of like, yeah, I think there is some kind of evil. Uh, well, I think that, you know, when you talk about evil, it really depends on what is your definition of evil. Is it evil acts? Is it evil beings? Is it, you know, what defines evil? Is an evil act something that is just so, so horrible that defies explanation? I guess that's where some people are like, this is just inherently evil. Do Hitler's mean... annihilation or attempts mm -hmm. at annihilating the Jewish people. That's a pretty evil thing to do. But I don't think I don't think calling it evil is useful. Yeah. I think calling it evil means you get to other Hitler. Yeah. And when you do that, you don't have to explain or justify or understand how we got to that point. How we got to that point, how the people of, of that era. Or even just how chose he to got to that them. point. Exactly. Like how he as an individual got to the point where he was capable of perpetrating that kind this of kind of act. malicious destruction. Yeah. So a conversation that I've heard specifically about Hitler, there was an argument to be had about it. If you other Hitler mm -hmm. in a way that makes him a monster and no longer human, mm -hmm. you then set yourself up to pass by the mm -hmm. next person going mm -hmm. down that path. Right. 
because you haven't accepted the fact that this was a human man who did shitty things. We see mm-hmm. this with serial killers yes. constantly. Uh-huh. Where people are always, oh, he was such a nice guy, no one could have predicted, but you could have. You mm-hmm. could. In almost every case, if you actually like go back and look into this person's history, you can see them struggling Mm -hmm. and failing and that there is something misaligned Mm -hmm. that is going to eventually snap cause damage well it was interesting because you and i were talking about this i'd seen a documentary about the green river killer he was one of the most prolific serial killers in the united states there was a period of about 16 years where he was married and he deeply loved his wife Mm -hmm. and his activities while he still did commit murder, Mm -hmm. he attempted to control his urges. He tried to rein himself in. He tried to rein himself in. So that says to me, that's not someone who's just purely evil. Mm -hmm. Many people would see him as just a completely evil, horrible person. And they will describe him as a monster. As a monster. Again, that shows someone who had the capacity... To try. To try. He wasn't able to succeed with no structure to to support him. But the fact that he tried Mm -hmm. means there was something in him that didn't want to or Mm -hmm. that wanted to be better. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I honestly think that the concept of pure evil or uh, monstrous Mm -hmm. really falls into the thing that happens all the time where if you ignore history mm-hmm. you are forever doomed to repeat it mm-hmm. so this this constant othering of things that we dislike because they're the darker sides of humanity mm-hmm. that we don't want to acknowledge exist mm-hmm. You fall into this foible. And the same thing happens in mythology. You say that an entity who's done something negative and bad for the people who wrote the story mm-hmm. is then forever a monster or forever mm-hmm. completely terribly evil and can never be anything Re- else. Redeemed mm-hmm. or healed and here's or the thing. improved. If you tell someone they are a monster mm-hmm. over and over, what will they do? Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I mean, we've talked about this in relation to the stories of Loki's children. Mm -hmm. Fenris Ulfur becomes very large, is a a large, large wolf, and the gods are afraid of him. Mm -hmm. So they chain him up with a sword between his jaws for the rest of time until Ragnarok when he finally escapes and, shockingly, goes on a murderous rampage. That would make anybody a little cranky. (laughs) So the question of evil, I think, in my mind, is pretty clearly like, no, there isn't. There's no universal concept of evil. Mm -hmm. There's destruction. Mm -hmm. There is hurting people. Mm -hmm. But that, I don't think, is evil. I think it's exactly that. I think mm-hmm. it's hurting people. Right. We don't like it. My my judgment personally as a human being is that like hurting people generally not desirable. <laughs> and it could be, honestly, it could be because we're talking about demons and spirits and mm-hmm. things of that nature. It could just be that we're talking about particular spirits that just, that just is their their thing. They're, that's that's This is why I say like, I don't think demons are... But not are, necessarily all of them. No, and that's why I say I don't think demons are evil. Uh, even the ones who are characterized specifically Specifically by a hostile relationship to humanity. I don't think they're evil. I just think their needs and our needs are incompatible. And they don't like humans for, for whatever reason. Or sometimes they yeah. don't even just... They, sometimes yeah. it's not even that they don't like they humans. They just don't align. They just... They are, we are just incompatible mm-hmm. beings. Yeah. So there's something that 
I've heard before in mythology is that the human perception that gods are cruel mm-hmm. is because, like, we perceive them to be cruel because mm-hmm. of how they act to us. Mm-hmm. We're a very self-centered species. That's if true. something mm-hmm. is bad for us, it must be bad. For That's example, true. you look at, like, there's a flood Mm-hmm. And it washes your village away. And you say, mm-hmm. oh, how could the god of floods be so cruel mm-hmm. and do this to us? We made the offerings and still this flood destroyed mm-hmm. us. And the god of floods is malicious. Yep. But the flood had to happen mm-hmm. because nature. Right. Like it was, an, it's an, it was an unavoidable natural event. So it has nothing to do with you. You just built your village in a floodplain. Mm-hmm. Well, and it it makes me think of animistic people groups from Mm -hmm. the past and present. They see and recognize spirits in all things in nature, Mm -hmm. right? And so they're neither necessarily good or Mm -hmm. evil or malignant or or beneficent. Mm -hmm. They just are. They'll make offerings for favor Mm -hmm. or for protection, but it doesn't make them, you know, these these deities or these spirit beings inherently one way or the other. They just what they are. So it reminds me of that sea goddess we talked about the other day Mm -hmm. who drags people down to the depths and shatters boats and the violent Violence of sea. And it's, I feel like a lot of people find that deity to be negative. Oh, oh, she's spooky. They don't like her. Yeah, spooky and don't like her. But really it's just the the literal deification of uncertainty and violence of humans on the Mm -hmm. sea. Mm -hmm. Like, it's a worldly force and an otherworldly force combined. I'm going to make an analogy. Mm -hmm. Demons are like bears. Oh, yeah. They're just out there, existing, doing their own shit in the wilderness, which is their place. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes a human shows up and the bear can react in a couple of different ways to a human showing up. And this depends largely on how the bear has interacted with humans before. Mm -hmm. If it's been food conditioned, it thinks that's a snack and it approaches the human being. And a bear, Mm -hmm. even that isn't trying necessarily to eat you, is just a big dangerous animal. Mm -hmm. And so, because other humans have created conditions that have made this bear dangerous to humans, you are now in a hostile encounter with this animal. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, the bear has never seen a human before, or it's seen humans but managed to keep its distance, so it just wants to go away from you. But how the human reacts to the bear's desire to go away from you determines whether the bear is going to be able to do that or is going to have to have a defensive response. Mm-hmm. Humans are driving how dangerous this bear is going to be. Yeah, um, this honestly reminds me of uh, something that I read once, um, so it may be anecdotal, uh, that to birds, human posture looks like just aggressive, come fight me, <laughs> um, which is why people get attacked by geese all the goddamn time. Because to their perspective, we are challenging them just by being in their presence. Mm-hmm. Who knows what the social mores of demons are? Well, right. and we talked about the fact that humanity has discovered or has created hierarchies mm-hmm. for, for demons. But also, I want to skip to another topic because we do talk about protection and wards mm-hmm. and things of that nature because there are sometimes spirits who are going to cause mischief mm-hmm. or be hostile for one reason or another mm-hmm. and maybe it's the bear situation right or maybe they're just looking for trouble i think what you're dealing with there is the food conditioned bear mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that says i smell food over there so the bear's not looking for trouble the bear's looking for food you just happen to be food right right i want to make sure that you know we understand that 
there are sometimes things you need to do. Sure. Oh, but yeah. like, it's like that's like putting your food in the bear safe container. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, is putting your food in the bear safe container carrying bear spray? Mm-hmm. Like you're going into it acknowledging that you might encounter something that is going to be hostile for you mm-hmm. because you're a squishy human. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that doesn't make the bear evil. It, no. make it just makes tensions. It just makes the bear a bear. Yeah. So where do we throw where do we throw negativity or negative energy in into this question? I think it depends on how sentient it is. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I also Is it a sentient being? Then it's the bear. Mm-hmm. Is it just bad vibes? Then it's like some company's been pumping chemicals into the air. Mhm. I think negativity is a bad term. Mm-hmm. I think something that, that is a little bit more true to what we're actually intending mm-hmm. is, is it harmful to you? Mm-hmm. So there's bunches of ambient energy, let mm-hmm. alone mm-hmm. other entities, that are just around that might be harmful to you or neutral or benevolent or whatever mm-hmm. you have, whatever have you. So you obviously protect, protect yourself one, from what are essentially environmental hazards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that that thing that is bad for you is a bad thing. Or that right? it like doesn't deserve its own existence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, uh, what the fuck? Wolves. Wolves can kill a human real fast, but mm-hmm. they're phenomenal for the ecosystem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I do want to talk a little bit about the Lesser Key of Solomon. The Lesser Key of Solomon is not written by Solomon. No. Let's just get that out of the way. Um, it's pseudo-epigraphic, yeah. which means it is uh, not written by the person who claims to be the author. Mm. But who wanted the authority of, of, yeah, of the, the person that he, of the proposed author. Of the, that they proposed as the author. Yep. And it is multiple books, various Arses. The one you're mm. probably most familiar with is the Ars Goetia. And it contains a hierarchy of demons and a list of demon princes and dukes of mm-hmm. hell, heavily based on Christian mm-hmm. uh, understandings of, of demons and, and mythologies. And, and it describes like various ways to bind and trap demons mm-hmm. um, and force them to, do your, to will. do your will. Very sort of traditional ceremonial magician shit. And I personally am not a fan of binding or trapping any entity to mm. do anything for me if it's, if it's not going to be a fair cooperation. I'm not interested in the relationship. I'd, I'd rather have a magical partner. Yeah, yeah. I, I want cooperative yeah. spirit interactions. I'm exactly. not. I'm not interested well, in subjugating anyone. And exactly. also, just like forcing an entity into a box and say, "Do what I say," you're not going to get good results. Yeah, exactly. No, you would think not. But something I find really interesting about the demons that are described in the Lesser Key of Solomon is that almost all of them are given teaching roles. I mean, they're described as having, you know, various magical powers and things like that. Can make women fall in love, can render people barren, can, you know, cause shipwrecks, all that kind of stuff. But almost all of them are also given a teaching task. They are, you know, uniquely suited to teach the magician about science Mm -hmm. or about philosophy or about history, math, art. Uh, the development of beauty. Like, Mm -hmm. all of these demons have lessons that they are specifically described as teaching to the magicians who summon them. Uh, You know what? That would make sense if it's heavily based off of the Christian understanding of what demons are or just that kind of entity Mm -hmm. because what Mm -hmm. did Lucifer do but give humans knowledge? Exactly. Exactly. And in The Lesser Key of Solomon, the understanding of demons 
is that they are fallen angels. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's the thing that I think is the most obvious thing Mm -hmm. about the Christian understanding is that, yes, they were at one point beings of light. Mm -hmm. Handcrafted by God. Handcrafted by God, who then followed Lucifer into a quote-unquote rebellion Mm -hmm. and were transformed into demons Mm -hmm. or evil beings. It's interesting that they maintain this this level of teaching and skill that they that they had from before. Mm-hmm. Not all, but many of them are described as still being very beautiful, mm-hmm. being very wise mm-hmm. and knowledgeable. And some of them are even described as being kind as long as you keep them in the trap. <laughs> <laughs> that like as long as the magician has control over them, they right. can be like good partners. Right. So I don't know. The Lesser Keep Solomon is like, I wouldn't take it as a workbook for anything personally, no. because like I said, I disagree personally. with the fundamental tenets of the Lesser Key of Solomon. Mm-hmm. But I think it's an interesting perspective on demons because mm-hmm. it's one that does see them as naturally hostile to, to humanity as sort of naturally evil, but it interprets that evil in such like a complex way. Mm-hmm. So there's this person that I follow, I think he's a museum curator, he was talking about demons once, specifically about the representation of demons that's very goat-like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he was like, to humans, you look at that thing with the with the eyes set very yeah, far back the, and, the, and, the and the slit pupils, and it looks... Or the bar pupils. Scary. Yeah, well, it looks scary because it doesn't look human. Mm-hmm. It looks like something other, but it's just humanish enough to hit that like uncanny valley. This is a creepy thing that I mm-hmm. need to avoid and is dangerous to me. But what he was specifically mentioning was all of those characteristics, cloven hooves and the horns and the eyes, are the features of a prey animal. Mm-hmm. Um, so if that sort of demon physically popped into the plane somewhere, they would more likely be, uh, I think he said something along the lines of, ah, yes, you have forward-facing eyes and look like a predator and have very sharp teeth. Mm-hmm. Please don't eat or step on me. Uh-huh. And that the majority of this type of entity would likely be an herbivore because mm-hmm. that's what goats are. Right, like from a biological perspective, yeah, yeah. the way demons are like physically constructed makes them not dangerous. No, well, so I find it super fascinating. I've just found that perspective interesting. Mm-hmm. At that, ah, yeah, because it looks other, it must be dangerous. Mm-hmm. But what do we look like from that, from their mm-hmm. perspective? And are we just imposing our own, ah, this is different from me, so it's bad. L asks, or did they choose a prey form intentionally in a misguided attempt to appear non-threatening? That's mm. also yeah. an interesting possibility. Who could say? Yeah. <laughs> and I imagine it would vary from demon to demon. Mm-hmm. But it's definitely something to keep in the back of your mind when you're judging something Mm -hmm. based on its appearance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And for that matter, sometimes we see a prey animal and we think, oh, well, that's non-threatening. But in fact, could kill you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like a like a stag? Mm-hmm. Have y'all ever seen those videos of deer just <laughs> oh, eating yeah. birds right out of the air? The final thought from that video was if we ever saw a demon that had big, sharp teeth and forward-facing eyes, you'd probably go, ooh, puppy, be my friend. Because it looks more human-like. <laughs> because it looks more human-like. Yep. yep. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> Most cultures, it, it appears, has some form of demon, mm-hmm. um, whether it's the, the air Arabic jinn. Uh, and in this context, we mean like a spirit with some a kind spirit. of complex relationship to humanity. Exactly. A spirit that has a complex relationship to humanity. You've got your hungry ghosts in, mm-hmm. in Asian culture. You've got woodland spirits and, and nature spirits in um, the Inuit 
culture or the traditional Korean culture. Mm-hmm. They could go either way, depending on the situation, you know, mm-hmm. of, of whether they're benevolent or, or not. Mm-hmm. Spirits Try not have... to categorize them as yeah. angels or demons, just, just spirits. spirits. Spirits who have close and complicated relationships That's with right. humans. So I actually have some interesting thoughts on hungry ghosts because they tend to be someone that was wronged in life and right. has come back for some sort of like righteous vengeance. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know why they're so unpopular because in the... I watch exploitation films because it's a fascinating area of filmmaking. Mm-hmm. And there's a type of film called the Rape Revenge film mm-hmm. where yep. someone who has been wronged goes back on bloody vengeance. It's a very similar concept. Yeah. And in that, in, in that sort of film, people feel vindicated watching it. But mm-hmm. when you have a spirit form of that who's mm-hmm. going to try to find vengeance possibly on you or mm-hmm. other people who have wronged them mm-hmm. or just sort of floating around in a malaise of aggression, it's viewed as negative, and I'm not quite sure where that disconnect comes. It's the dead. It's the Mm -hmm. dead part. That's the only thing that makes sense. It's the spooky, scary, something that we cannot see or understand. And I think it's sort of... natural. There's a a perception, which I don't think is necessarily right or correct, but I think it is sort of a natural human perspective, Mm -hmm. that if you're still alive, it's justified. It's justifiable revenge. Mm-hmm. If you're dead, no one can hurt you anymore. So, so why bother? So your revenge is no longer justified. Right. I think that's mm-hmm. maybe the dividing line for people. Mm-hmm. And plus, I think it's just also when it comes to spirits and things that we can't see. To, or that we can see, but they're scary. That we can see, but they're scary. We automatically take it to a, a haunting is a scary thing. Yeah. As a medium, as someone who's dealt with, with uh, you many know, done some, many a ghost, a lot of times what people are describing is just a spirit attempting to communicate yeah and their interpretation of that communication the knocking yes. the doors opening like this is sinister the sounds the smells it's a frightening thing because they don't understand it mm-hmm. or simply because it's a dead person but well, it's just but it's just the spirit <laughs> trying to establish trying contact to establish contact it's something that can be somewhat jarring i tend to see like parked cars i tend to see people in cars and i turn back and there's mm-hmm. nobody there and right. that's disconcerting because oh there was a person there but now there's not mm-hmm. could just be a spirit going about what used to be their general daily yeah. life mm-hmm. yeah again it comes down to is it going to be harmful to you how are you perceiving mm-hmm. or responding to it and that that's where my bear analogy that's, comes back you know mm-hmm. is it inherently evil or is it just it feels frightening and scary to you mm-hmm. and you need to deal with that on you know in you a, don't in a want specific that. way and the interesting thing about that is i work at a place with a, a lot of highly sensitive people not all of us perceive the same energy as being negative to right. us mm-hmm. because we're different people and we take things differently mm-hmm. or whatever energy in the space might be triggered by mm-hmm. the aspects or, of that person. Or for that matter, it may be triggering your mm-hmm. unrelated traumas. Yep. Yes. Mm-hmm. So there's a a thing I've seen discussed a little bit recently because I've been doing some like some reading on Lovecraftian tropes and, and narrative construction and things like that for reasons. And something I've seen discussed sometimes is that, like, sometimes you get on the bus and there is an ant on the bus. And you think, what is this like from this ant's perspective? Because what happened to the ant was that it crawled up something that was stopped near its home to see what it was. And somehow, by a miracle, it got inside the thing. And then the thing started moving and took it very, 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 very far away. And even if the ant gets off of the bus, alive and intact, it will never, ever find its way back to its home 
because the scent trails that ants use to navigate have been broken by its transit on the bus. And that is what a Lovecraftian horror experience is. It is a human being entering into and engaging with an experience that is completely does not care about the existence of the human. The ant being on the bus means nothing for the bus. It means nothing for the humans on the bus. Most of them won't even notice the ant. The ant is meaningless in the context of the bus. But to the ant, everything has changed in horrifying and incomprehensible ways. Mm -hmm. That's, I think, what why people freak out about demons. Mm -hmm. You are encountering and interacting with something that has no relationship or, or interest in you whatsoever. And either you manage to establish some kind of relationship with that or you don't, but either way, you're engaging with something that's so like past your understanding and so disconnected from and irrelevant from your world, that there's no way for you to like completely reconcile it with your worldview. Mm-hmm. I think that's why it's horrifying. And I also, I do want to say, you know, I don't think people should um, ignore their sense of if they feel like they're in danger or, or things of that nature. We want to be in tune to our mm-hmm. environment yeah. and, and aware and not do stupid shit. Right. Um, take reasonable precautions. Take reasonable precautions. But I don't think we need to automatically assume Malicious, malicious intent, intent. Yeah. yeah, or an intention to hurt you yeah. specifically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For an example of that, uh, when I was in culinary school, I lived by uh, less than a mile away from two separate hospitals. So right around dusk, every few days, I would see something like tall and menacing mm-hmm. by the edge of the woods. Mm-hmm. After three months, it occurred to me, I only saw these things every time I heard an ambulance go by. Mm. So it was some sort of thing that was either contributing to or involved with Mm -hmm. injury or death or something that was attracted by it. Mm -hmm. And it was startling because it was very unlike anything I had ever seen. Mm -hmm. But it didn't feel malicious and it never like... I I very much came to the terms of like, oh, this is a thing that I did not think I would ever perceive Mm -hmm. and I don't think it meant for me to perceive it. It was just there doing its own (laughs) thing. It was living its own existence Mm -hmm. and I just happened to wander upon it and go, ah, what the fuck? And there's like, there's nothing that, there's no action that needs to be taken there. No, it's just a thing that happened in my area. If Mm -hmm. I had put up a million protections around my house, Mm -hmm. it still would have been there doing its thing and Mm -hmm. not giving a single fuck about me. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to touch on one other thing and then we'll probably wrap up. Yep. Curses and demons. Yeah. So I have discussed before that I've got a fringy theory that spells are living spirits in their own right. That they have some kind of will and identity and autonomy of their own. In particular, I've got like a couple of sigils that I use that like I believe have an identity. Call them my kids. And some of those sigils are cursed sigils. And they are very mean by design. And the spirits of those sigils are... Vicious? There we go. Bloodthirsty, let's say. But my interactions with them as their creator and as the person setting them tasks 
is not, like, they've never bitten the hand that feeds them. Let's mm-hmm. put it that way. I don't discount that they could someday. I don't think they will because I've, you know, I've treated them well and I handled them carefully. Yeah, don't go the way of the circus line. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But I do think that sometimes a demon is a curse. Oh, ooh. I love that. So, and I do also, like, it's not something I had ever thought about before, Mm -hmm. but I do think I also agree that spells and curses and whatnot have some sense of being, Mm -hmm. um, because we were literally talking about the sweetening spell that we had done and said, ah, it must have changed its focus because this was no longer mm-hmm. possible. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. projects intent mm-hmm. exactly. onto mm-hmm. a spell. So, so like we told the spell what we thought it should do. Mm-hmm. The thing we thought it should do wasn't possible. So instead, it, with a sense in general of what we needed, mm-hmm. did something else related to that original mm-hmm. task we set it. Mm-hmm. Because it has some kind of intelligence well, underneath it. And if you think of it that way, think about the ancient Greeks. They did a lot of curse spells for a variety of reasons. And if you think of that, if you think of these spells as mm-hmm. individual beings, mm-hmm. think about the thousands yeah. of dem- of demons, mm-hmm. of spirits that were created and released as a result of these spells. And some of the, like, that, like, I don't... still exist. They're still out there doing Some their, of them. You know, I don't think... Them. So here's the thing. I don't think, like, every spell that you ever cast no, no. continues its life forever. No. I think some of them dissipate naturally. Some mm-hmm. of them are destroyed when someone closes the spell. Some of them evolve and become different kinds of spirits. I think the spirit of a spell changes and grows depending on how that spell was crafted and how it goes through and and all of that. But yeah, I do think at least some demons are curses that were cast at one point and that have either carried through with their original task and are now, you know, going around doing curse demon things or that have broken from their original task for some reason. Mm -hmm. So the image that springs to mind for me, there's this some form of fiction, I can't remember what, that I was reading that had the concept of these little, they called them something like a sprite, just a little ball of ambient energy Mm -hmm. that gained sentience. Mm -hmm. And as you fed it your own energy and it fed on your ambient emotions, Mm -hmm. it gained more sentience and thus more shape and more form over time. That's sort of what this is reminding me of. So you like kind of pull in either your own focus or the focus of something else and it just kind of grabs some of this ambient energy and goes, well, bam, now your life. Yeah. So <laughs> I, this is, this is the thing. Like spells are created when you give intention to energy drawn from various sources, your mm-hmm. own energy, the energy of your various spirit allies, the energy of, of gods who consent to participate, or demons. Like, I think spells are born out of that cauldron of energy and mm. desire and will. Mm-hmm. And some of them get physical spell homes, and some of them are always just energy. And once they've done their task to the best of their ability and they are released, I think they go on and live spirit lives. I find it interesting. We both had very similar theories just from like a slightly separate uh-huh. angle. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So I, I think that probably covers what we're going to say yeah. about yeah. demonology. But I did want to say that, you know, because obviously... We I, I will mention that like I know some people who work with demons who Same. do it very successfully. Mm-hmm. And I who, do too. Like just 
have regular relationship, like regular, what I would consider normal spirit relationships with demons. And I, I just wanted to say there's a couple of resources if you're, because you know, we didn't go very traditional, right? Uh, obviously, and we explained why. <laughs> <laughs> but like, for instance, I think Devin Hunter's Book of Spirits is very mm-hmm. good. It talks about various levels of types. And, and how and to sort how of, to, how, to, how to create more formal sort of contracts. Exactly. So Book of Spirits is an excellent resource. <laughs> I'll also say... Like, the Ars Goetia talks about, and most of these hierarchies you're going to find, focus on, like, the big demons. The big ones. But, I mean, there's plenty of little demons. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, And honestly, what probably wouldn't do you wrong if you went with the spiritual equivalent of a BDSM contract. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Things... Uh, that your hard knows, your maybes, your yeah, always yeses. Your hell yes. That's um, essentially what Devin has in uh-huh, his book. Yeah. A consent contract. Yep. Yep. And yep. what you gonna what happens when you break it mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. how things dissolve peacefully and And who pays for what and how. Yep, yeah, it's exactly. literally just be yep. very firm about your boundaries. Yep. yep. Exactly. But don't in the same way like don't be afraid to interact with a demon. Because mm-hmm. I would say what we consider in the modern day to be a demon, just a spirit that people don't like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And sure. I like plenty of things that people don't like. I would, um, Elle makes a really good point about, are there any trustworthy sources about demonology that aren't like Golden Dawn, occultish, or Christian? And that's very hard to find. Not many. Yeah, you're, not, you're not going to find a lot. I had no. so much trouble doing research. One, because we've been very busy. And two, because I found like a thousand things and all of them had like keywords that made me go, mm-hmm. Yeah, you're going to find a lot of demonologists are Catholics. And so that, it, it, it just, you are going to run into those resources. It's going to be mostly ceremonial. It is going to be mostly ceremonial stuff. It's a sticky subject. So I think we're going to call it there. I I guess what I would say is, like, I don't have a handy, like, easy resource for you. I don't think there is one. And I don't think you really need one. Just go out and reach out to spirits. And Mm -hmm. if you find one that's, like, most people would consider mean, don't just, like, automatically kick it out of the house. Mm -hmm. Maybe see if you can make an arrangement. And that's not to say that... that texts on demonology are worthless they're they're one they're fucking fascinating it gives you a very interesting idea of the perception of demons at the time in which mm-hmm. they were written right yep. exactly from the worldview from which they were written right. so they're interesting from a historical perspective from mm-hmm. a historical spec perspective they're very fascinating and they're also that like as long as you take it with about a thousand grains of salt <laughs> mm-hmm. you can pull valuable information out mm-hmm. you just have to take the time to sift through it yeah yep. there's no easy way you just have to do the homework okay yep. now <laughs> You can Google us with the number three and the words pagans and a cat or the number three and the letters P-A-A-C. We have a website at threepagansandacat.com. We have a Redbubble linked there and a Patreon linked there. And Gwen has a blog at Pantheos Pagan. And a TikTok. Uh Uh-huh. And I think that's it. I think that's all the things we do. And yeah, that's about it. Yep. Okay. So, (laughs) goodbye. 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 We will will see you next week from a new location. Yes. Which... we we'll see what it sounds different like. Sounds. Yeah. Different sounds. All right. Um. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.